0: Have another great interview this week with our latest guest, Brian Simpson, the National Brand Ambassador for Glenmorangie and Ardbeg. Originally from Scotland, Brian now lives in Toronto, Ontario. We talk with Brian about how he developed his love of whiskey, being a co-founder of the Hip Flask Hiking Club, and how he got to start in the whiskey business despite not having any prior industry experience. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Kip Saunders, co-host with me as always, Dan Saretta. How's it going, Dan? I'm
0: doing very well, thanks. No
1: complaints. All is good. All and is
0: good. how are things with you? How was uh, this weekend?
1: Good, good weekend at the bars. We had a crazy party at Babylon. And so I think it's the first time ever that a wine bar ran out of vodka twice. It <laughs> <But, laughs> so, wasn't our usual crowd, let's just say that, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so aside from that, things are good, and uh, starting today, we have full capacity in bars in Ontario. So, Ooh. cheers to that! Today is we're recording on the 25th of October, and the rules are different. We can bring anybody we want in. So, hot dog! Anybody listening to this? Oh, we who's vaccinated, of course, right? Yes, vaccinated, fully vaccinated, of course. Uh, but yeah, we, but there's no restrictions on our um, capacity anymore, uh, so it's good. great because we have a big show coming up at Sugar Run. Anyone in the kitchener. Or GTA. Shake Steady, formerly the Third Coast Kings from Ann Arbor, Michigan, will be coming down on November 19th. It's a Friday night at Sugar Run. You do not want to miss it. They're a six-piece funk band. They're absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, so...
0: I'll put a couple links to them in the show notes.
1: Yeah, maybe we should... uh, Closer to the date, have them on a podcast, they'd probably do it. Oh, sure. Yeah, do a little bonus episode. Cool. Okay, so anyway, we have a great guest for you today who's that we need to get talking to soon. Brian Simpson will be joining us very soon. Uh, Before we get to that, we should let you know that the best way to support the show is to subscribe, rate, and review. That's the best way to help us out. If you like the show, you can either, and you want to be on it, you can email us at info at the industrypodcast.club or... Or you can DM us at The Industry Podcast on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Big shout out, as always, to Zach Hanna at Zach Hanna Design for the great artwork he does for us. He's the best. Uh, You should check him out for all your design needs. Yeah. Anything else you want to (laughs) talk about? Or should we just get right to our guest? Let's just get right to our guest. All right. Joining us now from Toronto, I believe. Yes.
2: Brian Simpson. How's it going? Oh, uh, amazing! Always. Yeah. How, how are <laughs> you guys doing?
1: Good. Well, that's, well you well. got a good attitude for the considering the last eighteen months or so. <laughs> 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 yeah, so. Let's talk about that right away, actually, because you're. So Brian is the brand ambassador for Glenmorangie and Ardbeg, two single malt scots, two of the scotches, two, two of the better ones. Uh, and how is your? How have you found your jobs changed uh, over the pandemic? I mean, obviously, before you're going into bars, you're having tastings with people. Talk to us about how the last couple of years have been for you.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's a really important question as well, just to see how the, the industry has evolved and adapted. And with our roles as brand ambassadors, I think for most of us in the industry, we've all taken on a bit more responsibility, I think. Away from what used to be a life living out of a suitcase. For myself, it would be tra- traveling across Canada. Uh, I just said talking to to bartenders, doing educational sessions, going to whiskey shows for master classes. When that kind of slowed down, there was a bit of concern, I think, for most brand ambassadors is that so what's our job now? Right. But I think that a fascinating thing is the whiskey community hasn't stopped. It's actually grown. And what you're finding is that when you used to have, say, one whiskey club which may be based um to say in Kitchener, Ontario, mm-hmm. now they've actually spread out because the virtual settings are now that one is now not just in Ontario. It's like they've got a whiskey club involving members from Ontario, Quebec, Nova Scotia. And there's probably more and more whiskey clubs popped up now. So I think a lot of us has been in higher demand than what we expected for that side of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's an exciting part about it. There, there have been some interesting things that have come out of the pandemic. It's sort of like necessity being the mother of invention in a way but uh yeah it's, it's definitely a, a big pivot for you so have you enjoyed being home more with the family or are you getting ready to go back out on the road
2: well um, i'm pretty sure my wife would love it if i get back on the road as soon as possible <laughs> yeah. she's, uh, she's had enough of me but uh, but for sure i think it's been a i think it's been really good i i think in terms of the presenting to whiskey clubs is something that i really enjoy doing uh, I myself, like that's my background. You know, I never came from a marketing background or a bartending background. I'm a whiskey guy. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. I get to talk to whiskey clubs, it's, it never feels at work. And right. seeing not only the knowledge and the passion of people to put whiskey clubs together, which is an awful lot of work, but also as well, the friendship that's involved in it. And I'm not being like very sentimental, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Like how many, how many people are a part of a club where you're I going to meet do. up like, every month and you're just like hanging out virtually and it's actually enough engagement that people come back for more
1: hmm. Yeah, that's great. And it, it is it, there like certain spirits do seem to have a community behind them. And I don't somehow whiskey really seems to lend itself to that sort of spirit of community and clubs. Why do you think that is as opposed to other spirits?
2: I guess when it comes to Scotch whiskey. To me, it's almost like moments and memories. And sometimes it's not the best memories you know, or best moments. But sometimes when it comes to those important parts uh, in life, then people usually have a story behind it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, it's not necessary. If you go out to a, an amazing cocktail bar, you might walk away thinking, "Oh, I had a great cocktail the other night." But if someone says what was in it, you will probably forget. Or a lot of people might say, "Oh, it was good, but it's in this place." When it comes to Scotch whiskies, it's so strange. Like I've, I did, I hosted a tasting uh, last year, and it was about everyone picking out the stories in terms of like where they tried this whiskey, and they're going back like sixteen years, and they can remember what that whiskey was. And you ask them when it, when it was in terms of there, and there's probably an important memory that attaches it to it. Say, look, it's a wedding. But even sad times, you know, like I said as well, but I don't think there's anything like it. I think that it's one, it's the one spirit that brings uh, a lot of people together for good or bad. And why that is, I can't really find the magic of. I can't find that secret about what it is. But I know that vodka doesn't have it, and I know oh. that rum necessarily doesn't have it, no. but for scotch whiskey, it does.
1: Well, I... am yeah it's almost more like comparable to music than it is to other spirits in a way but the only thing i could think is that like whiskey especially scotch whiskey is like so many different complex flavors to it it's sort of similar to wine that way you can remember a specific vintage of a wine you tried that had so many different things going on um from like nose to palate um and and you taste you taste whiskey the same way correct
2: yeah, yeah, there certainly is that. Um, as much as I really like the idea of everyone experimenting with a bottle of whiskey, you know, to get your money's worth out of a bottle of single malt scotch whiskey, don't just drink it the one way, you know, play around with it. Right. You've got about 25 different ways, opportunities to, to taste it differently. <laughs> However, in terms of having it neat, in terms of other spirits which are out there, uh, I think it's kind of, I, I hate to say this, it always seems like I'm fighting other spirit categories when I talk about this. <laughs> but, but really, when you've got like a single malt, there's, there is a huge amount of complexity on the nose and on the palate, and that's always surprising in terms of the legislation in Scotch whiskey. It's very tightly regulated in terms of what you can do to create that spirit, but then all of a sudden, you'll get a whiskey that's got flavors and combinations of flavors that you've never tried before, and is that excitement that there's always a chance you may get something distinctive as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you find that that's happened a lot more with some of the new blended Scotches?
2: I find this way really interesting. I think the 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 with the some premiumization of blended scotch, such as fantastic companies such as Compass Box, yeah. really they kind of open the door in terms of what a, how a blended scotch can be perceived. Mm-hmm. The actual idea of blending is something that skill has been fantastic, but maybe not necessarily respected in the category. But the same way you would make a create a, a blended scotch in terms of the blending component of it is not that dissimilar to what it would be for a single malt. And I think for blenders like Compass Box, they have done a fantastic job of actually opening up that one category.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of them as well. And uh, they've got the price point to match it too. So (laughs) it's not like, because people also tend to have the idea that single malt equals more expensive, blend is more approachable financially, but not so much anymore.
2: I think of what it is in terms of the, in terms of how much it costs to produce, uh, say a, a grain whiskey, up against a malt whiskey. Malt whiskey will be more expensive. There's no doubt about that. But in, when what blended scotch used to be, the, for the most part, it would be an honest statement. And for the most part, you would be getting something that's three years, sometimes on the day. But we've seen this idea of premium uh, blended scotches. I think they themselves are putting it out there and saying, well, you know what? Let's see if we actually use, a, let's say, better quality malt, better quality grain, longer matured, of those whiskeys as well and if it's a market for it the market will tell you mm-hmm. and if there wasn't they wouldn't continue to do it
1: yeah exactly right i mean that's what it comes down to at the end of the day if nobody's buying it they're going to stop making it so <laughs> so we this is what episode 80, uh, three, 83 83 so i've gotten pretty good at figuring out my guests early on in the conversation and in, in, in this specific conversation i've deduced that you were not born in toronto <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you can tell my accent. I'm from Guelph. So. <laughs> Knew it. Uh, I was
0: thinking Poland, but yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so you obviously were born in Scotland and you grew up there. How long were you there before you moved to Canada?
2: Yes, yeah, so I moved to I moved to Canada initially about uh, ten or eleven years ago. Mm. But I've been back and forth over that time. You know, different visa issues. But very proud to call myself a permanent resident of Canada uh, as of three years ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Congratulations. Um, Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And uh, so what What prompted the move?
2: Um, I've always had this idea of like doing something that I've never done before. And I thought, I've never lived in Canada before. So let's <laughs> give like, that a try.
1: Yeah.
2: And I, I came over on vacation, actually, the year before I moved. And as soon as I got into Toronto, I totally fell in love with the place. It seems like it's such a such a transient place. And you also see as well, you've got everywhere from every every, every person you meet, it's like then. it's almost like you never meet anyone that's just from Toronto. You know, it's always someone from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So you never feel like you never really feel like uh, you're a stranger. You know, there's always a little bit of home comfort somewhere.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's uh, the case in a lot of major cities. Like you find the same thing in New York or L.A. or anywhere like that. Right. So where where specifically in Scotland did you grow up?
2: Yeah, so just in between, a, like Glasgow and Edinburgh, like the two major cities, right. there's a place called Lanarkshire, which is in between it, and no one knows where it is. So I just say Glasgow, really. Right. But it's uh in terms of Lanarkshire, there's a massive sprawled out place, and there's a tiny little council housing estate there called birkinshaw and that's where i'm from it's not the it's not the postcard of the highlands with a piper out there and the <laughs> moors i don't i don't come from that part of scotland it's very very humble
1: yeah but you're pretty much seeped right in the whiskey culture of growing up in that area so yeah it,
2: and it's always it's, it's interesting is that in terms of uh, coming from scotland that not everyone in scotland drinks whiskey they know oh. well, vodka still outsells whiskey which is like always tragic when I say yeah. that sentence, <laughs> I know, but, oh, I know. <laughs> uh, you kind of learn about it I think there's I think the community that you have here in, in Canada uh, that is mirrored certainly in Scotland but you probably find when you go into some of the famous pubs in Glasgow such as the pot still or the Bon Accord and various others you usually see there's at least more than more than a few more than half the people have got a dram in their hands the one thing that's different here is usually people buy a whiskey and then that's it in glasgow it's usually a pint of beer and a whiskey right <laughs> yeah. fair enough
1: uh, okay so when you come to uh, toronto how did you like you said earlier you didn't you didn't uh, you don't come from like the bartending background you don't come from a distilling background so how do you break into this role as an ambassador the accent helps
2: yeah <laughs> no, no, no doubt <laughs> uh, but it's uh, really uh, i i remember that my 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 background for the most part I've done, I've done i've done all sorts of different jobs but my whole emphasis is just like keep a shell over my head and make sure that me and my wife had food on the table. That's always been the mentality. Mm-hmm. This idea of like trying to reach out to something, starting with a company and working its way up, it's never really been something that I've, I've I've really had in my head. But I've always liked the idea of just following your passion and just putting yourself out there. And maybe there might be someone that also has the same passion as you. And I found a, an advert on uh, Kijiji that was looking for... I just typed in the search bar whiskey, seeing what come up. Yeah, And, uh, and it came up with um, someone looking to... For staff for pouring events, you know, kind of like the whiskey shows. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a job. They actually pay people for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I would do that for free. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a couple of people that helped me out. Uh, one Beth Havers that was on yeah, one of your yep. recent episodes. Uh, Beth, my mentor, and like herself and my 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 friend Colin. uh, they pretty much just took a took a punt on me and said this guy actually is not just an accent. He actually does know his stuff. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another. I got to know people in the community here in canada like i would back in scotland and waiting for the right job to come up and see my, what my my boss would love to say that they were waiting for me as me as well but i believe i was fifth choice for the job <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fuck, those people must have had accents you can't even understand <laughs> okay so uh, i mean obviously we know you're you're high on the brands that you represent. But what, what would you say was the first single malt that kind of got you in love with, with Scotch?
2: Yeah, that's a, good, that's a really good question because, and I'm saying this as a responsible drinker, I can't really remember necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. in terms of Scotland, like in, a lot of the time when, when you're out at a pub with some of my friends, and that's where you kind of learn. In Scotland, it's a bit different. I think here in Canada, um, it can, some pro- provinces can be a little bit expensive as a as a drinker maybe in your early 20s to jump out and just like order a single malt scotch whiskey because the prices mm-hmm. vary quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But in Scotland, I my friends would just maybe order a round of whiskeys along with uh, along with our beers or say towards the end of the night, like, we'll have a little dram before we head up the road. And for the most part, I remember like, I didn't like peated whiskey. That's one thing I did know. Um, the first time that I actually tried a peated whiskey, um, I thought there was something wrong with it. And I legit sent it back. I'm nah. like, not, <laughs> <laughs> what, how am I meant to drink this? Is this is something wrong with your whiskey? Um, so for the most part, I started off on unpeated whiskey. Of course, I worked for Glenmorangie. So that was one of the ones that was there. But not only that, there were some fantastic whiskeys. Uh, things like Levitt and Bunnahabhain, Haven are ones that um, I remember having early on. And then peated whiskey came later on without me even trying so I, I tried a, a whiskey my friend said you know that's peated I'm like really I can drink peated whiskey now what an achievement
1: yeah yeah but that's exactly how it is right and we talked we have talked about this on the show before but like it's a, I mean scotch in general is an acquired taste but the peated whiskey specifically is like it, you you nobody who drinks that for the first time is probably going to like it the most yeah you sort of have to develop your palate to get to that sort of intense smoky flavor that you and appreciate it.
2: I think it's a really really interesting time for that. I think that now, and especially in places like Canada, where there's such a varied amount of food and drinks that people are having, I don't think people are scared about it as much as maybe what they would have been, say, 10 years ago. Like, in terms of the unusual foods that people have, like maybe you're, I know myself, like, if I talk to my, some of my uncles and I'll be having, I'll, even, even if something is exotic to like one of my Scottish uncles, like, oh yeah, I had sushi and I'm going through all the different types of sushi. They're like, what? 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 You don't cook it? What do you mean? Yeah. But now we actually think of like more, especially sort of uh, people who are starting their whiskey journey in their, let's say, early 20s. Like realistically, they're not scared of those unusual flavors. And I'm seeing it more now that maybe, I don't want to say younger, I'm saying of legal drinking age, but certainly younger drinkers, I think, are more interested in those more distinctive flavors, um, such as the ones we get from our and other whiskies. whiskeys. Whereas I know that when I, in my early 20s, my friends would kind of shy away from that for a while. So I think it's more like, the, I think it's more the how people are open minded to those flavors now. And that never used to exist.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, definitely. I know when I first started getting into whiskey, I, I most of the people I drank with thought I was crazy drinking that, like anything peated. Like it's almost like what you were saying as well. That it's like this doesn't taste right. But you really can, if you keep drinking your whiskey, you you will develop a taste for it. And it's like I, I I like the way you described it. It's like just one day you were drinking one, not even realizing it was peated. That's kind of crazy how that works. Let's talk a little bit about the Hit Flass Hiking Club, because you were talking earlier about the community built around whiskey and tasting whiskey, and so you sort of started something in that
2: vein. That's right. Uh, so back in Scotland, it was myself and a, and a few friends of mine. I used to live in the Highlands in Scotland, a place called Inverness Highlands. Mm-hmm. Lovely place to visit. Maybe not the best place to live for someone who likes a city like me. It's a bit too small for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just got kind of the idea, you know what, I was, I was missing some of my friends from Glasgow uh, saying you know what we should probably just like why don't we get together and just like start like a little whiskey club and my friends say like we do that already we drink together already i'm like no 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 but we'll put our official name on it and then that's us and it was the the hip flask hiking club we, we used to go out hiking every every couple of weeks or so as well and just like bringing in two of our passions and i remember um, when we first did our first our first kind of like meet up as a club there's only six of us or so and we ourselves didn't realize how much we knew about whiskey because you kind of just drink the whiskey and just enjoy the whiskey and then that's it and then as we're chatting about it together for the first time in depth it's like we kind of know what we're talking about yeah, and yeah. from there we were going out to whiskey shows and we actually were able to have confident conversations with quite a lot of people at whiskey shows and before you knew it it grew and grew and now i'm very proud like there's we we've got about 35 up to 40 members now sure. we have our own t-shirts which i'm wearing just now yes, I noticed, yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah. very proud they've actually just uh, released their second club bottle so we've actually had two bottles which are being bottled specifically for the hit flash hiking club and all these things are just like it's it was based out of, it's, it's a lot of work mm. it's a lot of work but it's worth it because like you've got this amazing friendship you've made with everyone and it all it all, all comes to fruition when you get to share a whiskey from your actual club bottle the really special moment
1: That's crazy. Yeah. So like who made the whiskey for you?
2: Yeah. So there's a company in Scotland. They're called North Star Spirits. And they're again, they're kind of like part of the club as well. You know, it's not just it's it's, it's everyone that sort of (laughs) in the club. There's people that are brand new to whiskey who are friends invited. There's people who work behind bars. There's people who work at distilleries who actually maybe people actually make whiskey in a distillery. Uh, People kind of from the industry like myself, but not that important, of course. And then there's people I just like we made friends with and it's all, all genders, different age groups as well. And North Star spirits are someone who we sort of chatted to. I, we asked for, we asked them for advice. Like, what how is it you get a club bottle? And he said, oh, we'll do it. No problem. I went, really? (laughs) So yeah. So they themselves and they just, they bottled, uh, they bottled those two whiskeys for us and out of the kindness of the heart, you know, they're making no money on it.
1: That's crazy, but that that speaks to sort of the community you were speaking about earlier, right? Like, I mean, for them to do that without charging you anything for it is like because they believe in the spirit of what you're doing.
2: Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's um, we we try and keep everything affordable as well, and it's and a lot of people have looked to the Hip Flash Hiking Club and they've said that's a really cool thing you're going on, which is very very nice to hear. Um, we're always just trying to do something different. Like last year, we did a somewhat controversial. We didn't, we didn't think it's going to be controversial mm-hmm. but we did a challenge on our instagram page we said to people you should make a an ice cream float but with a whiskey in it as well so it we had this whiskey ice cream float challenge and we expected that maybe we'll get like 15 people that will join and it was over 100 people from different parts of the world joined in yeah, people perfect. from Japan Germany over here in Canada as well and I think that's part of it as well like if you're if you're a lot of people were coming to us and saying can I join your club and I'm saying Make your own, right? Any, any, anything you want to do in a club, it's your club, and don't let anyone judge you. Like if you've got a whiskey club, put it around some obscure passion you've got along with it. But if you can't join a whiskey club, just make your own.
1: Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, it's fine. You're totally right about that too. We found sort of found the same thing with the podcast. Is like people. Even anywhere, even sort of circumnavigating the industry, like love getting together and talking about and sharing stories and experiences. And we've been really blessed and surprised by how many people reached out to be on the show as well for the same reason. And we didn't know at first; we thought we were just going to be sitting here drinking with our buddies locally. And then next thing you know, we're talking to people from all over the world. So it's been great. But I think that that there's something about the people, you know, in this industry and people like the same around the whiskey industry that like. I don't know. Is a, there is a sense of community where we want to come together and share our stories.
2: For sure. And even I like, I think with Scotch whiskey, especially, there's there's competition. The bosses at the top, I know there's competition there. I'm not saying it's all rosy. Yeah. But I realist, I don't really know anyone who works for like a rival whiskey brand who like I don't get on with, and vice right. versa, you know? And even like the example of what like, North Star Spirits helping us out, they know that I work for Glenmore and Jane Arbeg. You know, they probably, that's one of their competitors. But they themselves are like, well, you know, like you're in the industry. This is, you have to support each other on an individual basis, never mind the company that you work for. And it's really cool, fun.
1: Yeah, it's good. And I think that also people, as much as they they want to sell their own product, like people have have moved to, to more of a community based spirit where they're, it's not so much like, oh, you have to like mine and not somebody else's, or you don't even have to like mine or a certain um, designation of like one of the spirits I made. Like you might think that's shit and I'm okay with that, but maybe you'll like this one instead, right? And and people are not as, it's not as black and white as it used to be at least.
2: I'd agree with that. i agree mm-hmm. with that. And and you had said uh, before about how it's quite connected to music. I think that's probably quite similar as well. Like I mm-hmm. I I, I a, a similar thing that I had said before is, you know, when you get your your favorite scotch whiskey brand I'll, I'll say spirit in general but of course i'm a scotch whiskey guy yeah yeah i say it's, it's kind of like having like that band that you think you're the only fan of right and then you find that someone else is a fan as well and the the example i gave I'm, I'm i when i was in my teens and early 20s i was a massive sonic youth fan and sonic youth were a band that everyone kind of maybe knew of but they weren't popular you know they're mm-hmm, never mm-hmm. never going to get a number one hit mm-hmm. i remember i seen someone uh, walking around glasgow and they had a t-shirt on from a gig that was about six years earlier. And I knew it had to be from that gig because it was counterfeit. It was a bootleg one that they were selling at the yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I bought one as well. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing it and I ran up to the guy, well, are you were at that gig as well? And we're having a conversation, total stranger, having a conversation for about 10 minutes or so. And here's the thing, I see that at whiskey shows as well. Like if someone, and sometimes even going to like some of the liquor stores, someone picks up a bottle that they love And a conversation breaks out out of nowhere. So, have you tried this one? Oh, you have to try this one as well. Then, I mean, I I don't think there's much. I don't think there's any other like community like that in the spirits world.
1: It's funny you say that. I've had that happen to me in the liquor store more than one occasion where I've just been staring at the scotch shelf, and either someone comes up, like you know, like when you go to the LCBO and it has like the whiskey, the rare whiskey shelf. I don't know what they call it. They have a name for it. Yeah, and like just staring at it, trying to figure out what I'm going to buy, and someone will just come up to me and either ask for my advice or recommend something, right? With, that, with a complete stranger not knowing who I am in any way. And, and then you just strike up a conversation about it. And I've had those same conversations at record stores staring over a stack of like, Coltrane records and like, having a conversation with somebody about which is the best one to buy. It's, so it is very similar that way let's talk a little bit about your brands because we brought you on the show we should do that <laughs> it seems fair <laughs> but i'm a big fan of both of them anyway so this will be an easy conversation but talk to us about i know obviously you just applied for a job that's the one you got but i'm sure you had some specific feelings about the brands before you i mean before you started working there and talk to me about what you how like anything new that they're doing or 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 what you're excited about
2: yeah, um, I'll start off at Glenmorangie. There's, a, you know, Glenmorangie is all of our whiskies. there are unpeated, apart from there's one travel retail whiskey we have at the moment, which is a lightly peated. But for the most part, Glenmorangie, if you buy one, it's going to be unpeated. They're very fruity whiskies. They're quite sweet as well, and the kind of history of Glenmorangie has always been based on like innovation. But I don't really like that word too much. I think it's overused. Because like to start to to do something innovative, you have to experiment, and some things don't always go right, and that's something like Glenmorangie have done for a long time. And when I when I started to learn about different distilleries before I worked for the company, Glenmorangie was one that I was fascinated about, not just for the whiskey, but almost the history was almost just as important. Because just all these, there's so many times that Glenmorangie have been, if not one of the first to do a certain technique, they were the first. And I think it's um, I think it's really interesting in terms of like how that doesn't stop. We've actually just I say we, I, I know no part of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you but, work for but,
2: them. <laughs> yeah. uh, have just opened up um, a new distillery on the site of Glamorongi. So this is called The Lighthouse. And it's really exciting because we heard about it a couple of years ago, but we told don't tell anyone, just tell people it's an expansion to Glamorongi. But it's its own micro distillery. But the idea of it is that the bosses have given the whiskey creators freedom just to create stuff. And what I mean is that they've got apparatus in there where, I mean, you can make a spirit, not barley, but also like rice or sugarcane, fruit as well. And they've pretty much said to the whiskey creators, if it doesn't work, don't worry, give it a try. And that's something that usually only happens at like small distilleries. You know, they've got that little, they've, they've still got that buzz of trying to do things differently, for a big name in the whiskey industry like Glenmorangie to have to fund this like little pilot distillery just for the whiskey creators to try stuff out that might become something mm-hmm. ten years down the line, fifteen years down the line, but having to say if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. And in a world where everyone, a lot of people in the industry, and not just our industry, but in the spirits industry, are looking for a yield, you know, they try to get as much right. product out as possible. This is something that I'm I've been so passionate to talk about because yeah. it's just not that at all.
1: That's really cool. And I wasn't actually really aware that they were so involved with so many innovations. I, like, I know only, my own personal experiences, the first time I ever tried a sherry cast finish was Glenmorangie and I like, fell in love with that one because it, it just softens the, the end of the spirit so much and like as, as you're swallowing, it's just like you don't, there's no burn, it's not hot at all. And it's just like, it was just, a, it's a beautiful sipping whiskey. But I'm not sure if they were the first ones to do it, but I, it was the first one I tried. That's for sure. So it's interesting to hear that they are sort of known for innovation. And uh, what what are you excited about on the Arbeg side of things?
2: Arbeg, like it's, it's Ardbeg being from Isla. You've mm-hmm. got nine, you've got eight other distilleries. Sorry, so it's nine distilleries in total on on Islay. And the one thing that's so strange on Isla is they're all brilliant. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like yeah. it's like on on the mainland, you've got most of them are fantastic. But maybe there's one or two in there. You know, it's like, I don't want to go close to that distillery. But on Isla, they're all like incredible quality. So the one thing is that we are big is like, how do you stand out? Like we've, we can't just say... You can't just say, oh, we come from a, a beautiful, beautiful island, because everyone on Isla does. Right. And in <laughs> terms of the whiskey creates, like, yeah, award-winning. We've all won awards. We're from Isla. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with Arbeg, it's so really strange is they don't really push on the idea of like being, oh, we make the best whiskey in the world or anything. You've got like Beaumont there that's the oldest distillery on island, so they have that tagline. Arden a hose is the newest distillery on island. They've got that tagline. Uh, Coil is the biggest distillery and Arbeg is just the weirdest and (laughs) they they wear it on their chest and like it's like once you've once you've said you're happy to be weird then it opens up and you can start to do unusual things all the time so we have um there's a few things that we've done that are a bit unusual in the industry for sure um the whiskey that I've got in my hand just now is one of them it's the Arbeg five years old wee beastie which is a whiskey which is unusual because it's actually got an age statement on there of five years old which is quite unusual. Mm-hmm. It's almost like everyone's been drinking old and old whiskey for a while. So no, no, yeah, no, yeah. you're getting it wrong. Five-year-old whiskey is actually really nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you find that there's a pushback on people where they just think older is necessarily better? Or But you were telling me before we started recording that it sold out pretty fast, so maybe that's
2: not the case. Again, it kind of goes back to like where the where the you know, whiskey climate is now to what it was 10 years ago. I think if Ardbeg released a five-year-old whiskey 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been successful. Mm-hmm. The idea of how educated people are about spirits in general, but especially for Scotch whiskey, is amazing. Like, it's there's, there's, there's people who I know who have never worked in the industry at all that probably know more about fermentation and distillation and maturation than a lot of people actually do it for a job. And they themselves are like, they themselves are the ambassadors for Scotch whiskey, because when they're the people that probably go to as a person in the family or the friends, what should I buy next? And with that, they themselves are always educating themselves. So if they if you've got that kind of community that can understand what makes a good whiskey and what to look for in a good whiskey, it makes the industry side of it a lot easier on us. And I say it all the time. I say it to my boss all the time, that that's who you have to protect. Those people are doing our job for us. And when the wee beastie came out and it's five years old, it was interesting looking at reviews and what comments were. And people were saying stuff like without us, we didn't do any advertising really for it. And people were saying stuff that we were we were going to say anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. In terms of there, it's like that's it's the you have to create a good product. You have to you have one hundred percent have to create a good product that is a good whiskey, but. If you can get the community on your side, then realistically, the other people are doing the job for you. doesn't matter how much you put into advertising.
1: Right. And that's good to hear that the younger sort of generation is more open-minded because I even remember when McCollin came out with uh, Unaged Whiskey and it was like borderline scandalous to those people who were like single malt scotch drinkers. And I remember even at the time, I was like, fuck this. Like, what? <laughs> Unaged McCollin, what do I want with that? I you try it. It's like, oh, okay, I get what they're doing. But, and, and so maybe like, do you think that part of it is that the generation that's come after me, at least, they don't have any preconceived notions as much, and they're just more willing to try whatever's good?
2: It's it's something that I wish that I had the answer of, so I can just like tell my boss. like well, hey, I, 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 I wish you did too, because that's why I asked. It. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I think it's, a, but it's, but it's a really it's a really fascinating subject yeah. though, because you know if it, it, and for me, without going too existentialist. Do um, it. We like I, it. I, I, <laughs> so, i'm a i'm a massive david lynch fan so I, hopefully okay. this won't go off the track too much but yeah. yeah i think i think it all ties into other things that's around it though you know i think in terms of like if you're someone that has got into tequila mm-hmm. eventually along the line you may get into something like a mezcal and then from if you be like mezcal which is a younger person's drink you know mezcal is not something you see quite a lot of people in their in their 60s and 70s enjoying it. it's going kind to of be like an early 20s kind of drink. Yeah. Then you might look at it and say, well, what is it like about that? And they may say, well, there's more vegetal notes in there. It's kind of savory and a bit smoky. And then if you describe like a Scotch whiskey, like an art that that's some same sort of way. Then it's like, oh, no, okay. Apparently I like Scotch whiskey now because I like mezcal. If it comes to like barbecue food, so like what do you usually have with barbecue food? Well, a lot of people might make something like a Caesar with quite a lot of smoky notes that are in there already. It's like, well, just use... Whiskey, and your Caesar. Mm-hmm. There's, there's these links that sort of everything sort of ties up to, and in terms of the like the education side of it as well. Like I would, I would, I would say there's something in there that it's not just about how we look at things in the spirits world, but there's so much education out there. We can go down rabbit holes on Wikipedia and YouTube learning how to, (laughs) and I don't even want to say like some of the stuff that I've learned on YouTube about like how they make like fragrances in India and things like this. There's always (laughs) different rabbit holes you go down and I think eventually someone's going to go down a whiskey one and before you know it, you're a whiskey fan.
1: Yeah. And I, it's true too. Like things have changed so much. Like when I was growing up, we didn't have that. Now my stepson, like he learns everything from YouTube. I don't think, I think he could just quit school tomorrow and he would be just fine. Cause he's not interested in anything they're teaching him there anyway. And, <laughs> and he goes down nonstop YouTube rabbit holes and knows how to do a whole bunch of shit. I don't know how to do. So yeah, it's definitely an open world for the younger generation. Speaking of the new generation, we can't let you go on the show without talking a little professional wrestling because you're our first guest on the show that shares our passion.
0: And that T-shirt the hip flask hiking club that resembles the bullet club t-shirt from new japan pro wrestling
2: yeah, no,
1: we don't have that kind of reach don't worry yeah, Brian. Don't really, really. <laughs> yeah so we, we we found out from beth i believe that you were a wrestling fan which is another reason why we wanted to have the yeah and, then,
0: and then dave told us about it too
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. You know him as well, right? Yeah. So we pretty much, this is how we spend our Mondays. We talk to cool people from all over the world about the service industry. And then we go down to Dan's basement and uh, watch a bunch of old wrestling on uh, the WWE Network and (laughs) and smash beers for the rest of the night. So we're more of the old school generation, but you're kind of into the, you're liking AEW and I think
2: you said Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's in a there's a wrestler on Ring of Honor at the moment called Danhausen, and he's like my oh. favorite Ring and wrestler. <laughs> he's actually he's actually from Canada. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of good
1: wrestlers are. Yeah, there's a lot of good Canadian wrestlers. Yeah. Even back when I was growing up, he he was
0: a good makeup uh, makeup ensemble, and he's, uh, he's pretty funny actually. I heard him in interviews
2: a lot funnier than I thought. So, but how did you get into wrestling? Be from Scotland. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit tough. We used to like, in terms all, some of the pay-per-views would be on, but you know, the pay-per-views would be on at say like 1am. Right. So there's many reasons why I never did well at school, but that's probably one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, it was really, it's actually really big. It's actually really big growing up and I moved away from it for a while Uh, because I thought that I was too cool for wrestling. Then I found out I wasn't, I'm I'm not cool at all. (laughs) I think that's
1: the exact same thing that happened to us. It's it's so proper for men. Yeah, it is, yeah. (laughs) And and so we were a big, we're probably a little bit older than you, but we were big fans in like the 80s when we were little kids and then kind of stepped away for a while. And then got back into it in the 90s, like the right. attitude area, early 90s, early to mid to late 90s, I guess. And then I kind of got away from it again. And now, mostly through podcasting, actually, like all these Conrad Thompson podcasts where they're talking about the old glory days of wrestling in the 80s and 90s. And I just eat that shit up. I can't get enough of it.
2: It's the same for, for, for me. My, my wife's a massive wrestling fan as well. We oh, went that to- helps.
1: You, for, for, our, it, for
2: our honeymoon, we went to WrestleMania. Like oh it doesn't <laughs>
1: see, we need to introduce her to my wife and we can <laughs> yeah. see if we can get that. Yeah, but I don't think I'm I do not think it's gonna work though. <laughs> so who were who were your favorite wrestlers when you were growing
2: up? Uh so interesting is like because nowadays like you hear the history of them, it's like, oh I really wish I didn't like them. But yeah, um, yeah certainly sure. yeah certainly um Brett Hart was like one of my favorites oh, yeah. and yeah. Roddy Roddy Piper were there. Yeah. Um Roddy Roddy Piper who it's so funny growing up in Scotland So you see us getting a guy come out of a coat the Scottish yeah. music, yeah. and he's got all like, it's like you're not from Scotland. What's that accent? Yeah, <laughs> he's,
1: well, he's Canadian too, yeah, isn't yeah, he? Right? Yeah. yeah, Edmonton. Yeah, he's from Winnipeg. Oh, Winnipeg. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think they might have the same accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? Who are your favorite wrestlers going up, Dan? Oh, Ric Flair. All oh, right, of <laughs> course, Ric Flair. So Dan grew up more with the the southern uh, Southern U.S. NFL style, style stuff, yeah. and I was more of the wwf stuff growing up but yeah
0: yeah i used to watch wrestling with my as my first memory of television is watching wrestling with my dad all the time on saturdays so that bugs bunny cartoons but uh you know mixed in watching some crazy lunatic coked up just screaming the whole time it was awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) i know what you mean though like listening back to some of these podcasts and yeah we've been all everyone's been taken behind the curtain for who these guys really were and it's like sometimes you're like Ew, I don't know if I can publicly say that I cheered for this guy <laughs> anymore but uh, yeah I mean those guys you mentioned were I haven't heard Bret Hart and Piper that's not too bad
2: Piper liked to party I think but yeah <laughs> yeah and also as well I think the like it's like Rowdy Piper's movies are well worth watching as oh, well. Yeah, no, for like, sure. They well, live, they, they live right? fantastic, but yeah, like, Hell yeah. Comes to Frog Town is a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine as well. Yeah, it's a
1: good cult classic for sure. Yeah, and then it's funny. And like, he, you could argue that he's the one who sort of gave birth to the wrestlers as movie stars and to where we are with The Rock now. So, all credit to the Rowdy one. Yeah. Uh, and so, who are your summer, some of your favorite? You're more of a, you're not watching as much WWE anymore.
2: Yeah, it's more um, when AEW came along. I think for for a lot of people, it kind of like gave them that little connection in terms of like what you're looking for. And as, as a wrestling fan, it's kind of being lapsed for a while. And then um, AEW came along, and it's the amount of, the, the people who like AEW when you actually look around the crowd, like they all kind of like look like me, like you know, like terrible beard. <laughs> in their thirties and forties, yeah. uh, but the it's the atmosphere, you know. It's like they all they all have this idea of like uh, going along to a show, like it's a soccer match, mm. and and cheering along like that. Is it's not a TV show. It's actually them like enjoying it there. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I noticed that too. Like you can really tell the difference in the, the way the two shows are produced. Like the WWE show is very overproduced. It's almost like you're watching like even if you're there, it must look almost like you're watching a movie sometimes. And whereas you could definitely get more of a live crowd feel from the. AEW or Impact stuff mm-hmm. but what, so what do you think Is there, are we really headed towards another ratings war between um, as we had in the 90s between WCW and WWE or, or does AEW still have a ways to go
2: no, you know what? I think it's... I mean, they're doing... I think they've, they've bet them in some of the demographics, but I tend not to worry too much about that. You know, it's business yeah. side. Let them deal with that sort of right. side. But I would say something. It's a really good time, though, for anyone that is listening that's wondering why we're talking about wrestling. There's a lot of people that have got back into it recently. And it's a fantastic time to be a wrestling fan. So mm-hmm. highly recommend watch AEW, watch WWE, watch some of the independents. And in Toronto, there's... and around Ontario, there is actually some fantastic independent wrestling that I do recommend people look out for as well.
1: Yeah, we're very looking forward to being able to go to a live wrestling event again now that we're coming to to the end of this uh, pandemic. So a great time to be a wrestling fan. Also a great time to be a whiskey fan, which was a great time to have you on the show. Brian, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Yeah, if there's any links you want to promote,
0: uh, what are they right now?
1: Let us know.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's been a lot of people messaging me uh, since the last batch of our big Wee is sold out. So that's back in Ontario. And for anyone listening from Quebec, that should be in November. The rest of Canada should have some in stock at the moment. For Glenmorangie, we should have some special releases coming in in January. To follow us on Instagram, it's at Arbeg or at Glenmorangie. And if there's any questions for me about whiskey, but even about wrestling or life, <laughs> then <laughs> it's at Whiskey bribe.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Brad. That was really fun. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks so much. All the best, lads.